Good morning, Parashat Miketz continues the story of Yosef, and uh, in the midst of the parasha, there's a very difficult moment for the children of Yaakov. They had already returned home. Shimon was taken captive by Yosef, and as they're together with Yaakov, realizing that they're out of food, they're in a predicament. On the one hand, if they're going to return, they have to go with Binyamin. On the other hand, if they don't return, they lost Shimon and they have no food. They don't know what to do. And Yaakov, ultimately speaking, consents. But his words in how they're going to appeal to that individual, the viceroy of Egypt, whom of course he doesn't know is Yosef, are very telling because in that moment, and put yourself in the shoes of Yaakov, he has to make a decision. How are we going to somehow influence the person, the man, who has everything, who has suspected my children, my sons, of being spies, who has one of my sons, who can take my youngest, Binyamin, and can do anything and everything that he wants with each of them. In this moment, Yaakov decides that here's the plan. Yaakov, in the moment, thinking not only as an individual, but as Yisrael, on some sort of global, national, building, destiny-driven moment, says Yaakov, take from Zimrata Aretz, Rashi says, the thing that people sing about in Eretz Kenan, the greatest glory of our produce. Okay, so now we're excited. What is it that I want you to bring, says Yaakov, says Yisrael to his children, you'll bring this as a present, a tribute, a tribute to this person too, whom he doesn't know is Yosef. Take a bit of balsam, a bit of honey, wax, lotus, pistachios, and almonds. That's what I want you to bring. Take with that the food that, excuse me, the money that you had in your sacks as well and return that. That should be your way of appeasing, of appealing to this viceroy of Egypt. Uh, it's a startling suggestion of Yaakov in the moment. And effectively, he turns to his children and says, bring a small mishloach manot and hope that Yosef, uh, that individual, accept it from you and be somehow tempted, lured to return your brother and give you food. What was Yaakov thinking? How could he have suggested, could he not have suggested something a little bit grander, something a little bit greater? I'd suggest quite simply that Yaakov in this moment read the reading, read the read the words on the wall quite simply. It's clear he knew there's nothing we can give this individual that he doesn't have. There's nothing that we can use as fodder as a way of tempting him out of this. So we need to move away from a business mindset and into a relationship mindset. We need to understand that the only way to get to this man is by tugging at his emotions, at his heart, instead of at his pocket. There's no way of tempting him with our money. There's nothing that we could give him that he doesn't know or couldn't get or wouldn't be able to achieve in some way or another. We knew we would instead turn to him and say, here's who we are. We're bringing ourselves to you. Says Yaakov, go to the backyard. Pick a little bit. Realize, zimrata aretz, what we have which is our own, that's the best that we can do in approaching this viceroy of Egypt in this moment. That description and that moment of Yaakov reading it carefully, understanding what it means to truly be in a relationship, oftentimes we get, get right in our relationships with one another. I reflect back all the time. 
literally, all the time on uh, one of the greatest advices that was given to me months before my marriage when I met with Rabbi Yitzchak Kohn, he should live and be well. One of my rabbis in Yeshiva University, and he imparted to me many words of advice, but each one more simple than the next. And one of them, he said to me, write a lot of cards for your wife. And I opened my eyes and I said, cards? Do you really mean that? He said, that's right, cards. Whether you buy her gifts or not, gifts are beautiful. Cards are more significant. A gift without a card is insignificant. A card without a gift is very significant. Write cards. Give her a little bit or a lot of bit of yourself. Relationships, we all understand, means giving yourself. It's not so much what you take from the outside, it's more what you bring from the inside. It's giving yourself over. That's what Yisrael, that's what Yaakov sees in this moment. I wonder though if there's a Musar in our relationship with God as well. We oftentimes assume, un, uh, mistakenly so, that our relationship with God is a business transaction, that we need to do and to achieve X, Y, and Z, and in turn, we'll get the dividends in response. Alternatively, maybe the vision, the perspective in our lives should be one in which the words that we say to him, the deeds, the acts that we forward in his direction should be personal. They should be something that are not just as described in the law books, but furthermore, that as we determine based on our own personalities. There's a well-known dirashah of the Baal Shem Tov, the beginning of the Amidah, we say, Eloke Abraham, Eloke Yitzhak, Eloke Yaakov. And instead of just stating simply Eloke, the God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, in between each one of their names, it's Eloke, it's the God of Abraham, and the God of Yitzhak, and the God of Yaakov. And his suggestion, and very appropriate in Hasidic thought, but very appropriate for anyone and everyone, is that we appeal to the Avot, and we see in them personal relationships. They didn't all have the same relationship with God. They didn't say the same words. They didn't approach him in the same way. It was Eloke Abraham. And it could have been mistaken with a different Eloke Yitzchak because his relationship was altogether different. Instead, see the beauty, see the uniqueness, understand each of them brought themselves to that relationship. At the end of Masechet Makot, there's a Mishnah which each of us are familiar with, and at the end of seven minutes we'll, re re we'll chant it out loud, and that is that That's an interesting statement. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give us Zichut, therefore he gave us so many Torah and so much mitzvot. That's a strange description. If you wanted to help me out, I'd like a smaller quantity of obligations. Why so many in order to achieve zechut? There's more pitfalls. Rashi in his commentary there in Makot and Dafkaf Aleph suggests, well, God gave us many easily achieved mitzvot and abirot. That's the zechut, says Rashi. Who wants to eat the shemona shiratim? I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in lizards or rats in that respect. So by abstaining, well, there's zechut in and of itself. That's Rashi's interpretation. There are many averot and mitzvot which are innate and natural. We're going to do them anyway. That's the zechut. He put it in the Torah. Harambam, very tellingly, however, in his commentary to the Mishnah, suggests that each of us can and should look to excel in one area of Torah and mitzvot. If we're capable, if we're able of zoning in and realizing this is the mitzvah, that's the opportunity that I have to attach myself to this, well, that's Olam Haba says Harambam. He says, we'll all strive to achieve it all, but there'll be glimpses, there'll be moments where we really attach ourselves to something. That's the 
bringing yourself to it that I believe he's referring to. He cites, as a matter of fact, proof, the Gemara the Gemara over there talks about how Rabbi Hanina ben Teradion, as he was leaving this world, as he was dying, he turned and asked, am I going to achieve Olam Haba? And the question in turn was, is there any d- domain, any realm of Halakha that you've been proficient in, that you've done well? He answered, yes, Siddhaqah, I've been great, and he gave an example or two. The description in turn, says Harambam, is if we bring ourselves to the relationship with God, if we're capable of seeing our relationship with Him not merely as words which we chant and deeds which we do, but a relationship which we establish, well, that's Olam Haba. That's the establishment of a relationship, building something greater than just actions and words. We make the mistake often because we do have, in a room filled with books, many halachot. We have a law system which is very strict, and there's many rules and many governing principles. And as a result, we get lost in those laws and rules and governing principles, forgetting that tefillah, just with words, but without any kavanah, is very little tefillah at all. By definition, to appeal to God means to turn to Him with our own soul, with our own personal, individual requests, words, and, and visions, perspectives. That, I believe, is what Yaakov, in the moment, so to speak, lehavdil a hundred thousand million times, says, you see that Viceroy? You imagine he's something, someone out of contact. You need to appeal to him with money. You need to come to him following the rules, the governing strictures of the kingdom. Instead, says Yaakov, appeal to him with yourself. Come forward to him with me'at devash, me'at sori, nechot, valot. Be able to bring yourself, the zimrat aretz, to him. And as a result, and in turn, we, in appealing to melech malchei melachim as well, instead of mistaking that relationship with him as one which is a business transactional one, are supposed to, and in much need of, turning to him as Elokei Abraham, as Elokei Yitzhak, as Elokei Yaakov, as a personal, individual God whom we can and do need to attach ourselves to. So bring yourself to anything that you do. Find the mitzvahs, find the mitzvot that you're proficient at, and while performing them, make certain that it's not just mitzvat anashim melumada, you're just performing it in order to put a check in the box, in order to get it off your desk but rather achieving it, performing it the same way you would with a person or being that you love dearly and want to establish a relationship with. Baruch Adonai le'olam, amen, amen. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashi, amen. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashi, amen.